give you a 10 second silence and I'll start the music. <clears throat> you can't even do a 10 second silence. Ah, it's perfect time to go shit in a box. <laughs> I probably did that to do shit. Ah, just a proper digging shit and then, yeah, talking and yeah. then I just on a roll, man. Yeah, because I always know it. Go on straight before you start. I always notice it when he goes and does it. He always has his head out the box. <laughs> Is it, wait, are you guys about to start? Bro, I'm going to make a racket. Hello and welcome to Films and Swearing. It's a, a movie podcast that records straight out of Five Scotland. I'm your host Stuart Sullen and joining me, no longer Cousin Mike, now welcome him under his new alias, Magic Mike Chrissy XXL. Oh, welcome back, that. son. No. No? You don't like that one? Nah, I can't feel like Kevin Nash every bit. Well, it's, like, it's, it's either going to be fucking Cousin Mike or... Magic Mike Christie. Magic Mike Christie, it's settled. And you folk at home are listening to the debut episode of our 80s season. That is a cat wrestling with a farm foods bag. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about 80s season. Starting with 1980... 1980? 1980. Caddyshack on episode 137 of the Films and Swearing podcast. So, Mike... Aye, sorry, I was fixing my eye. How's it going? Aye. Done in the shorts and the slippers. For your traditional Scottish summer. In May. Aye. Which means it'll probably rain in the morning since you've got your shorts at the day. Aye, they're fine for indoor anyway. That's it. Um, so before we get on with the film today, yesterday, 10th of May, we found out that Michael Parks died. Ah. No. I was in the middle of a rush when you actually sent me that. You're, you're in the middle of the rush? Aye, the like work. Ah, yes. Rush hour in the kitchen. Mm. Mm. Uh, aye. I, I think... 77, was it? Sure about. Mm-hmm. But it, it seems to have been that it was like Kevin Smith broke the news of it. Like, I'd it's read true. it on one website and... They more or less took like ninety percent of the content from like a Facebook post that he put up regarding like parks and like he died and his influence on his career and how he always wanted uh. to work with him. But it seems like it wasn't posted anywhere else until Smith had put the post up first. Alright. So I reckon if he maybe just found out first hand from the family because mm. I think by that point they'd gotten close. Obviously, Michael Parks is known for several films working with the likes of, as we said, Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino, and through all these posts on news sites, I realised he was also a, a prominent cast member of Twin Peaks. Oh, was it? Yes, he seemed to be in some sort of drug runner in that show. That's a programme I've never ever watched. I, I reckon it's a bit too weird. 
Exactly, because is it is David Lynch? Right. The boy behind it, so... They're, um... Ah, they're bringing it back this year, is it not? Yes, aye, it's... I reckon if it's like this summer. Aye. So, I think he jumped on most folks' radars when he was in the first ten minutes of Front of Still Dawn. Ah, it was the first time I've seen him. Aye, exactly, and it's sort of like one of that thing, you never really knew who he was, but he was just this kind of cool sheriff character. I just really needed to take a shit in that guy's bathroom. Uh. And then, obviously, Quentin Tarantino. Like, I'm always under the impression that he's brought back in Quentin Tarantino films, always playing sort of the same aye. sheriff. Sheriff. Aye. McGraw. Errol McGraw, aye. Aye. because he was Errol he was McGraw and Kill Bill was in there. Yep. And that's it off the top of my head. I remember him for Kill Bill. And I think in Volume 2, he'd done like a dual role. Like he was Errol McGraw at the start and then he was some sort of maybe human trafficker towards the end. He looked, uh, was he no... Heavy he makeup. No? He looks like almost oh. like, a, like a, a Latin descent or Filipino. I thought he was something to do with Michael Madsen's character in Volume 2. He was... It was sort of like... He bit with the Glenbiria. Was he no... Um, no I remember him... Uh, being in like a wee outdoor cafe surrounded by like it's more or less he was a pimp and he uh, had these women and I think one of them had like a burst lip or her lip missing and it was just something that he'd done to one of his ladies because he was just keeping in line uh, and it was sort of like he was just another stepping stone on finding Bill hmm. but I mean is there any prominent roles that um, you, you can remember him for that you will have to remember him for now. It's probably going to be from Dust Till Dawn, but oh, there was another. I think maybe... There like, was a film he done a couple of years ago. I think it was, I think it was after Red State. Okay. Honestly, I can't remember the fucking name yet. <laughs> it was somebody with like a weird family. Hmm. Uh, uh, let's see. I didn't he was in Django as well. Can't remember him in Django. Was he one of the, like mine Quentin Tarantino and there's like three Australians dragging uh, a cage? I'm certain Michael Parks was one. But anyone well, that scene's only remembered for Quentin Tarantino's horrible Australian accent. There we go, that's it. We are what we are. We are what we are. Aye. That's oh that's that's not on married, I've never heard of that one. But uh, he was in that, and it was. I've watched that a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think he played a doctor in it, but he was a bit screwless. Uh, I, th- I think he was. All right, possibly at his peak for me would have to be like Red State. Like he was given a lot uh, to play with in that film. It was good in Red State. Ah, uh, it was like your proper, well, sort of taking the piss out the 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 West. Borough Baptist Church, Aye. and whoever their fucking crazy cult leader is, mm. and I, he, I, he was just given like some really good dialogue, like all the shit where he was talking about uh, fear and God, and like you better believe I fear God. Aye. Like he's got all these good lines as they're fucking executing Aye, fucking they the, cling the film cling wrapped from homosexuals. The, uh, the cling from the guy at the cross. Mm-hmm. That was a fucking spooky film. Like, mentally. Mm-hmm. And you had George Goodman, so... 
John Gruden. John. George. Who the fuck's George? Um, I think the one bit of that film that I still freaked me out, I remember because we were all watching a cinema mind when Kevin yes. had done his Q&A and uh, it was a bit where it was like the morning after then that big fucking siren went off. Oh yes, I the there's some some Bible term for it, where uh, it's more or less it's like the beginning of the end. Uh, I was like kind of waiting for some. You're waiting for the boys for dogma to come down. I was just waiting for something to fucking happen, and then all of a sudden, it cut to John Goodman's like at work the next. Well, uh, in in the fucking the briefing his, room, having uh, to explain what the fuck was happening. Aye, I think Red State will probably have to get put in the cards to the podcast later in the year, maybe. I thought you already done it. No, I think we've covered we've covered Tusk, but there's another one with Michael Parks that he uh, was. It was a good one to play with, but I mean, it does get proper fucking weird. Ah, uh, it was the first half. It was scary when he's going about in a wheelchair and uh, telling his stories, and it's just when Justin Long's panic about something and Michael Parks just steps up out of the fucking wheelchair and walks across uh, the room and that that's fucking slapped me in the face when I watched that that was like a so I think I finally watched Tusk after we saw him in Edinburgh last year yeah uh, it was just this whole story on Gila Point that fucking set me off uh, and I'm glad to see it mm-hmm. so I like that's it Tusk does have a quite a memorable scene especially that fucking point where he's Acting across for Johnny Depp, and he he's acting like a I can only describe as a redneck re- retard. Aye. Where he's talking about the fucking brown recluse spider in the bathroom. Aye. But he's also just putting on an act to fool this this weird French Canadian detective. Mhm. With like a really big nose. <laughs> yes. Suppose I think he was meant to have a part in Yoga Hosers, uh, maybe towards the end. I think how Ralph Garman plays. Uh, the fucking German in the basement. And I think that was supposed to be Michael Parks originally. Oh, was it? Aye, but he was taken ill at that point. Ah, right. So I think it's always kind of been on the cards that he's never been got in like a... the best health. Did they release a statement saying what it was? It? Not that I know of, no. Because uh, I've only read from the one source at the moment. But there's probably been something official. Aye. But aye. It's a shame that he's gone. Because right aye, now... Aye, wasn't he really like... That's he it. wasn't in like a lot of big films that he had. But he did bring a lot to what films he was put in. Aye. Like even if it was just small amounts of screen time in Quentin Tarantino films. Aye, because he was only like in the first 10 minutes uh, from Dust of Dawn as well, so. Aye. So, but it was always nice. It was, it was sort of just like extended Quentin Tarantino's universe a wee bit further when you got to see him pop up. It was sort of like directors trademarked how it's always fucking there's a shot for the trunk in all his movies yeah. and then getting to see there's always um, as well like I noticed like one of Tarantino's like trademarks as well was everything dust on as well we see with George Clooney coming back for the burger joint yeah mm-hmm. the bag is all then oh is it like Big Kuna aye Ah, right, so, so making... ties in as well. Aye, aye, directors love to do shit like that, because Kevin Smith's always got, like, well, obviously, movies is one thing, <laughs> and then, like, the nail cigarettes is another thing that they they advertise in amongst their universes. But... Yeah. So, aye, fucking rest in peace, Michael Parks. Aye. 
Alright, let's have a wee look at our spoiler warning. Okay, this is your spoiler alert warning for this episode. This is the time for us to tell you to hold your horses. We're about to spoil Caddyshack. Go play some golf. Aye, I know what you're thinking, Stuart. It's all just a bit balls going in holes. Well, you're right, but there, there's more to that. More to it than that. There's like balls hitting balls, like four hitting fucking the twos, and like if you've got to continue listening to it, you've been warned. Continue if you dare. And if I have to tell you again, I'm going to phone the police. That's it. Threaten folk with the police. So that, that was kind of a spoiler warning. That was enough for you to stop and think, wait, have I actually fucking seen Caddyshack? No, alright, I'm going to have to go on to 123movies.com to fund it. It's bad that I've seen the second one before the first one. Ah, well, that's I didn't fucking ken there was a second one. Yeah, Dan so. was in, in the second one. Aye. He plays like the weird he, greenkeeper this fucking, time. Exactly. When when Bill Murray doesn't pick up the phone, mm. <laughs> you phone the other Ghostbuster. Okay, Carrie Jack from director Harold Ramis. I was, I was surprised he directed that. I never thought he directed that. Mm. Like. And, well, this was his de- directorial debut. So this was his first attempt at, at I thought, directing. I always thought Strauss was his debut, but I think Strauss was after that. I think it must have followed it. Um, as well, okay, clearly done nothing beforehand when it comes to directing. Afterwards, he did go on to direct 13 other films in his career. Amongst those credits include National Lampoon's Vacation, Groundhog Day, Multiplicity, Analyze This, Analyze That, uh, Year One, and his last directing credits included a couple episodes of The Office in 2010. Ah. So, in amongst those films, any personal favourites? Eh, uh, Groundhog Day. Aye. That's a good film. Mm-hmm. I actually had a soft spot for Multiplicity. Where Michael Keaton, where he gets I've blown. never, ever seen it. It's alright, it's... it's Funny at some bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, year one was. Oh, uh, I, I think I watched it and it was a. It was sort of like ah, oh, that's better than I thought it was. Yeah. And it did seem like a big deal for like the amount of fucking slimy cameos. I because that was at that was that not around the time where like Michael Sarah was like the big thing. Aye, and you're trying to have Michael Sarah stop being Michael Sarah in films, but yeah. you saw sort of just Michael Sarah as a cave boy. My- Man, I. Um, I think I've seen National Lampoon's Vacation. I've not seen Vacation, but I've seen. I like Christmas Vacation. That was good. Yep, you've got that. Uh, Is one what? I can't remember what all the the National Lampoon films are. It is European vacation. European vacation. European vacation. Vegas vacation. Vegas vacation. I'm not. Fucking terrible. Aye, well, that's it. Uh, Outside of Christmas, I've never really watched it. Yeah. And I think maybe Chevy Chase was only around for vacation, Christmas, anymore. He was in Vegas. Vegas as he well. Was in, how, how old is? When was Vegas? <clears throat> when was Vegas? Nine, in the nineties, I'm pretty sure. That's I'll double check the name, but because it's got what's his name, Randy Quaid. All right, aye. Because he played the brother in the 
Aye, aye, in Christmas. Yeah. So, is that, is that them sort of linked in the same way that he's playing the same characters aye. in these um, Lampoon movies? Let's see. The cast of Carrie Shack includes Chevy Chase as Ty Webb, Rodney Dangerfield as Al Sevick, Ted Knight as Judge Snails, Smells, 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 <laughs> uh, Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, Bill Murray as Carol Spackler, Sarah Holcomb as Maggie O'Hooligan, uh, Scott Colombi as Tony. Daniel Dangio. Like that, that fucking Italian kid that that's didn't a, like him. That's a, oh, that's a fucking tongue twister. Translate that when you're steaming the morgue, mate. <laughs> uh, Cindy Morgan as Lazy Underall. Dan Lazy, Lazy Underall. Lazy. Lazy. Like a lacy garment that she struggled to keep on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dan Rezin as Dr. Beeper. And Henry Wilcox as the Bishop. That boy that was having the game of golf of his life. Ah, until Until rat farts. <laughs> Alright, Mike, go and tell me what is the plot, if there's a plot to Gary Shack. My plot was that a young Caddy. Ah, a Caddy, ah, so he's looking for a scholarship at a prestigious college country club. Mm. Well, ah, it looks like you, you could have got some sort of college scholarship through ah, them. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. And as a dancing golfer. Ah. Mm-hmm. That's it. IMDB just lists it. Do you think w- that was like the selling point of the film? Like, we've got a golfer. Ah, like, look at this little cunt dance. Oh. Don't bring your kids to this film. Uh, ah, because IMDB put it down clearly as an, exclu- an exclusive golf course has to deal with a brash new member and a destructive dancing golfer. So don't, you, don't even mention, like, the kids... That's the lead. Just go right to Rodney Dangerfield and the little Muppet. I know. So, because that's it. The film fucking opens with, as we said, that that Kenny Loggins number Aye. and just having the wee gopher dancing, like shucking and jiving, mm-hmm. twisting in the fields, and like that. That seems, even though it's not the main plot to the story, it is a constant. Ah, it's a recurrent theme. Yes. Because it's really, it's all about Danny Noonan and I, I reckon if he really needs a scholarship to help fucking provide for his hundreds of brothers and sisters. I know, because like, like it's the scene where it's his dad. Aye, and he's like, who the fuck's this kid sitting at the table? <laughs> it's your nephew. Aye. Who the, like, See, for a second when I was watching it, I thought the kid was drinking whiskey. <laughs> you know, the, I, I thought it was apple juice, but... Mm. For a split second, I was like, is he fucking drinking whiskey at the breakfast table? This is why the guy's like, this kid's sitting drinking my booze. Who the fuck is this kid? He's not one of mine, is he? Because that's it. You're looking at the house and thinking, well, looking at all the fucking bench trying to climb into the bathroom. It's like, did they not have a telly? What's going on here? This is all they had to do. is like, ah, let's just make Mayor Bairns. <laughs> fuck it. One of them will strike it rich, or they'll all end up working in the fucking lumber yard. Because that mm. seems to be Danny's fate. Like, get a scholarship or go work at the fucking mill. Aye. Uh, fucking idiots it would be, eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, the cuts to the, the Bushwood Country Club. And you get Chevy Chase's character. Aye, uh, Ty Webb. Aye, who just is this sort of laid-back golfing pro. 
I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he has a pro because... Exactly, he just seems to be... Or he's an ex-pro golfer that just likes to fucking... Ah, he does swing a club, do a $60 million man impression. Uh, speaking of Bill Murray, that opening shot of him pumping away in the bushes. <laughs> like, he's got a thing for the older ladies, clearly, when he's sitting there washing his balls. <laughs> and then we get our, our representation of... of a Scottish person in Mr. McFinish. He's like, I want you to kill every golfer in this course. He's like, well, Mr. McFinish, if you kill all the golfers, I think we'll get in trouble. He's like, not the golfers, the golfers. <laughs> his accent kind of made me think, uh, like when Mike Myers would do his accent and like, so I married an axe murderer. Oh, when he was like the parents, he's like, look at that boy. He's like, he's like an orange on a toothpick. Doing all that pish. I fucking love that for Mm-hmm. And mind, like, he was doing all that crazy shit where he's talking to the young caddies and he's saying he used to carry for the Dalai Lama and he's holding a fucking pitchfork at the boy's neck. <laughs> just gently, gently prodding him, just pressing against the skin as he's it's sitting. It's the way that Bill Murray talks in the form as well. It's got like a wee... He's got a squint lip. Uh. <laughs> like that, because that. he is like a, a Nam vet. Because he talks about the Viet Cong occasionally, and ah, he comes across as like being like in the some post-traumatic stress least, going uh, on there. Suppose, uh, and he's got contact that I could set him up with plenty of fucking C four. Yeah, a lot of plastic to play with by the end of the film. Ah, because he's no he's no head keeper, is he? He's just ah, because he talks about like he's going to study for the next six years to get to become the head of the green keeper. Because I knew he's just living in a shed at the back. Like, it looks like... It's, it's not even a fucking shed, is it? Nah, it just looks like it's a, a, a shelter. It's something with a roof. I know. And he's got a couch. <laughs> and he's growing his own grass. Both kinds. <laughs> now, the whole deal with, like, the caddies, like, where you had Danny and... That kid Tony, like mm. the, I, I keep thinking he's Italian, but I think that like that Nunzio surname must uh, like scream Italian because like when they're having that little fucking argument at the office, uh, where it's like I ain't paying fifty cents for no coke. It's like, well, you get no coke. It's like fifty cents. That's that's, that's not too bad for that's a coke. Fucking, yeah, that's cheap, like pay for a coke nowadays. Now one of the trivia notes that you notice the boss of the all the caddies, aye. Like, ah, he looked familiar. Brian Doyle Murray, the older brother of Bill Murray. Aye. And that's it. If you didn't ken if Bill Murray was in this film, you look at him and you think, wait, is that Bill Murray? Is that Bill Murray with a moustache? But this is supposed to harken back to the day of, like, Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray, and Harold Ramis when they worked as caddies as teenagers. Alright. So this is kind of, it's a wee bit, because I think... Someone was saying it was, it was like a John Hughes script. All right. But I think it might have got rewritten, like, and just kind of put in a few of their own stories. Like, maybe some of like the... Because there was sort of like that competing angle between Tony and Danny yeah. at some point, like when they were trying to win the girl that works in the cafe and all the bickering and then just things that fucking teenage lotties do when they'll have like this sort This sort of like a summer job, really. Aye. So, I reckon if they just 
replaying a lot of their own life stories, like what Bill Murray and his brother and fucking Howard Ramis did as teenagers one summer. Yeah. I, I've made a bullet point here for the, the weird... It was not a racist joke, but when you have Smales going about the, the locker room, working the crowd, and he's telling a joke to like this, this priest, and he's talking about, hey, did you hear the one about... like? the priest, the boy, and the coloured guy, or no, and the coloured boy, and there's a, a fucking black guy doing a shoe shining, and he's like, coloured boy, I'll fix your shoes, and he just starts fucking, like, because he was obviously cleaning the leather, but he just fucking puts it in there, and the sparks start flying off these shoes, but just the look on his face, like, coloured boy, did he just say that? Is that what I fucking take the sweat off your shoes? But, that was funny. And, and then, of course, like, Fucking Rodney Dangerfield shows up. Yeah. Tell him all the way his voice there. Oh, Jesus. Like, it is. It feels like. I think this was maybe one of his first acting gigs. And you mm. can tell because it kind of looks like he's constantly doing stand up. Like, he doesn't really have any dialogue. Everything seems to be a punchline. Yeah. Where he walks in the room and everything starts like, hey, let's say this, hey, that. And. Hey, here's here's a couple of bucks. Buy a sandwich. Get a haircut, and fucking wanders off and says yeah. something else. She's fucking. She's golf bag. Oh, the pimped up <laughs> golf bag. It's fucking. It's got a radio on it. Aye, remote control for the clubs. Uh, I think he even had a tap for some draft beer as well. Like that came out and had a little paper cup. And uh, just, <laughs> just have a wee cold refreshment out on the green. I'll say now, I, I can't do a Rodney Dangerfield impression, so that won't be happening on the show. Yeah. But he, he is a fucking a crazy little cunt. Like, I think all the kind of kin somebody like him in their lives. I remember yeah. back to the days of, like, the bowling club, there was, like, a, a member that joined like that. And whilst he is a funny cunt to be around, but when he starts talking to you, you're like, oh, he's going to just take the piss at me then, eh? <laughs> I wish this bit would be over. But it's... He does that thing where obviously he works a room, like where he's saying that shit at the... Ah, exactly. Dinner. Where he sees, is it Spalding sitting, I think if he's sitting uh, pecking his nose or he's doing something stupid and he's like, hey, now I know why tigers eat their young, huh? <laughs> and he just fucking walks away. But it's when he starts throwing fucking money at the bands. Yeah. Like, telling them to fucking be a bit better upbeat, get some dancing music going. And then he starts fucking dancing. It looked like his eyes are bugging out as he's fucking throwing his arms up. It's making me think, were they serving cocaine alongside like everything else on the catering table back in the 80s? Yeah. Because some of the <laughs> trivia notes to this was saying that more or less the atmosphere off a set was quite like basically the movie Animal House. Alright. So it was a, a constant stream of partying. On set, around set, throughout the night, in the mornings. So, I imagine a few folk. And again, I can imagine a lot of blow being done. Yeah. Like it was the 80s. And they're, they're all still fairly young. I'd imagine there'd be a fair amount of drinking and doing things that they shouldn't be doing. That's uh, um, the best at the dinner table. Any fucking slates of food. Oh, he says it's like, oh, it's fucking dog food. And he cuts that shot of the chef. Uh, so, but really, uh, like, farts and all that. Oh, I know. Like, the whole table was fucking silent. He's like, oh, something's stopping a turtle. Aye, aye. He's like, what's that? Someone stand on a duck? 
That's what Whilst that happens, and then it cuts that shot of the kitchen, and the chef's wheeled in the fucking cleaver, like, dark food! And all these fucking trying to hold him back. Uh, mm-hmm. And in amongst there, we get to see uh, Cindy Morgan, that lacy, lacy underall, uh, which is a quite a suggestive name. Lacy underall. Uh, A.K.A. fucking Madonna with meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not a creepy way to describe her, Tony. <laughs> and are they kidding? What, like, what motivation they gave her? Like, walk around with a brow on toots. Here, have a small white top. She was just like the ditzy blonde that sleeps with everyone. Ah, because she was sleeping with Danny and Chevy Chase as well. Ah, exactly. And it sounded like she got sent to live with her uncle because she was sleeping around with all cunt and wherever she was, like her hometown or... And the parents just need to get rid of her for oh, a while. It was fucking... With Judge Smith's her uncle, like aye. I always thought it was like a granddaughter. Ah, that's what I, I thought, thought it was. that as well. But they did talk about saying, "Ah, oh, it's the judge's niece." Whilst I was writing the notes on my phone, I was crying her the granddaughter until aye. someone had pointed out that what would your uncle think if I'm sitting here rubbing you with fucking massage oil aye. and having a wee bit of naked tig in the pool? <laughs> aye, she seemed to be like the the eye candy for all the caddies. Yeah. Like that, that seemed to be the goal. Nobody's looking at fucking Maggie in the cafe anymore. Now, she had to have been Irish. Ah, she was Irish. Hey, it makes more sense now when you see, like, the character's surname was O'Hooligan. <laughs> like, something about these names where it's like O'Hooligan, under all. Like, it's, it's quite reflective of the characters. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got Murray and the Gopher. Or Carol <laughs> and the Gopher. Yeah. Did you think it? It was a wee bit baldy for them to go with a puppet gopher in this movie. Like, they could have went, like, the, the realistic gopher, like, groundhog, like, a la Groundhog's Day, because that looked like they used a, a proper groundhog for that film. But for the fact that they went with, like, a some sort of, like, hand puppet. It depends on what sort of, like, budget they had for it. Hmm. Because, like, you can clearly tell that it was a puppet. Aye, but it looked like that was a choice. To have it sitting, dancing, and be a little bit more active rather than just like mm. a, a fucking stuffed gopher popping its head out of a hole and then quickly disappearing. Yeah. They had this thing fucking running down tunnels, sitting prodding plastic dynamite rabbits, uh. questioning things. Like they were giving that thing a little personality of its own. I know, especially the bit where it fucking um, like, uh, infiltrated, like Bill Murray's fucking. Sleeping headquarters. Oh. And finds them like making like this plan in the C four and all that. Aye. Whereas like to become the gopher, we must become its friends. The the friendly squirrel and the hairful rabbits. And you're just sitting <laughs> doing these little fucking plays together and the gopher's like, Oh fuck <laughs> It's when it was on the fucking rampage at the start where like it's got one of the fucking the flagpoles mm. and that's fucking flying about the course. And then it just gets fucking eaten. It looks like something out of Tremors. Ugh. And you've just got the fucking judge going daft, running after it. And I think that's when it leads into, like, McFinish and fucking Carol getting told to... <laughs> Kill the golfers. Aye. And like, he, he has a few attempts to get this, this shit done. Like, he f- tries to drown him Aye. at first, eh? and then it's just all the fucking... The holes being flooded. Well, his tunnels being flooded. 
Yeah. And it's no, well, really till the end that he properly whips out the C4. That's like his last resort. That's it, you've got nothing else. So you find one of your old Nam buddies and get a fucking crate for a C4. I kind of like paints the picture that Murray's no properly all there either because surely he must know that, oh, I'm going to like pull up a golf course. Aye. Oh, that's, I think I'm, I think he's... He's driven to the edge, like the golfers that much, like it's taken over his life. Like, yeah. He will go to any means. What golf course? It's either that or whatever fucking weed that he's smoking. Because <laughs> I thought it's, it's a bit as well where he's like, like standing out with a golf club and like all the fucking daisies and the daffodils. Oh, and he's like, he's like talking, he's like, ah, it's, it's, it's a true Cinderella story, ladies and gentlemen. Sparkle standing on the 13th green at Augusta. And, uh, and he just fucking smacks it. I fucking knocking heads off the flowers. What about like I think transitioning to like maybe the second act of the film when they get to the swimming pool. They just <laughs> they spend out like I feel like that's maybe like the second day, and it's got some like Bushwood swimming pool, and then a wee post-it note above it saying "Carrie's welcome, one o'clock to one fifteen and it's like they know they've got 15 minutes let's be destructive as fuck <sighs> and it's like we got all fucking gay and leapt to the lifeguard mm-hmm. where it's like put your suit on shave your ass <laughs> and then like that fucking random moment where they start doing synchronised swimming uh, all these fucking blokes as well that that scene kind of picks up where it's the name of the last day in the cafe again Maggie. Maggie kind of realises that, like, Danny is all about way safer than she comes in. Aye, all the boys in the pool are sucking in their guts. Aye. The fucking Tony's, like, licking his lips. Like, everyone's got her, their eyes on Lacey. Yeah. In what nowadays is quite a, a conventional swimming suit. It's nothing quite racy, but that's enough to turn all the heads yeah. in the fucking swimming pool. Now, I reckon the relationship between Danny and Maggie, if this is like a like a summer fling, like obviously later yeah. on you get like this pregnancy meltdown from her where she mm. talks about she's been late, but she also says, I reckon if the baby's even yours. So it seems like she's just fucking sleeping with a couple carries on the sides, <laughs> where it's like, ah, fuck, I'll work in the cafe. If somebody shows up, gives me a wee bit of attention, I'll take them around the back of the cafe to that wee table. Uh. Do a little bit of night putting, in and out, in and out. <laughs> and then obviously when they're in the pool, you know, the synchronised swimming and, and then Judge Smales and his wife turn up. Yes. That was in the shit. Oh, yeah, the, the, the baby the, Ruth. Yeah, the rogue chocolate bar. Aye, uh, the, <laughs> the fucking jaws turd. <laughs> and it's fucking spoiled and it's left in the pool. I I just it was it just as like ah dookie <laughs> <laughs> just fucking screaming like that just made me think back to I reckon if like Kevin and Perry when they did that fucking aye, film aye, aye, if aye. they were like kind of doing a wee reference to Carrie Shark because it was pretty much identical scene apart from it being a natural turd and whatever one of them did actually fucking. Land in their mouth. Ah, because it can clearly see it's on a string as well, like on a bit of wire. Eh? Mm-hmm. But um, and then obviously it cuts to 
smells like oh, like I want the pool completely like disinfected. Ah, this that the next thing, and of course, poor <laughs> fucking Bill Murray's in there in the fucking biohazard suit, <laughs> wiping it down. Total squeegee, and then he finds it and he picks it up, and he's like, "Found it." Right, <laughs> and it's um, his wife just has the fucking best. Ah, uh, the, the the fucking reaction of like that man's Aye. just to not fucking bite her turns. <laughs> and he's like, it's not so bad. Aye. Not a big deal, guys. It was like, ah. Ah, ah, ah. And uh, then sort of cuts to like the, the, the yacht club. Like it gets to the point where Danny's uh kinda of given a good impression and he says, Oh yeah, come to the come to the we've got the yacht club. After you've cut my grass, then come to the club. And get to see them cast off his his new his new yacht, the Flying Wasp, <laughs> and it's a when fucking Mrs. Smiles goes to christen the boat with the fucking bottle, gives the wee speech and wishes it luck, and she fucking snaps a fucking block of wood off the ship with the bottle. And was like, that's not a good sign. <laughs> and then fucking homeboy shows up in his giant fucking yacht, <laughs> and like that turns into like a whole. Well, a commotion in the ocean. Like, when he starts driving uh, and it takes off and starts casting these waves, like that cunt fishing. And uh, like he gets hooked and fucking yanked off into the pool and he's almost water skiing. You see his fucking fist in the water. Go, <laughs> and the black dude in the fishing boat. Aye. Like, the only dude that got his fucking ship wiped, his boat wiped aye, out. He fucking dies off the side of it. Aye, he got, like, the great... Like, you get to see the fucking whites of his eyes as he's about to get fucking struck by his yacht. <laughs> but this is, like, whilst all this shit's going on, you've got Danny back at the judge's house, uh, taking Lacey. his fucking turn with Lacey. And you think, wait a minute, because I thought they were all at the same place, but you must have <laughs> said, ah, whilst they're all busy playing with the ship, I'll just run him with the, the niece and have a game ourselves. Now, I'll try and think... If this is our first shot of boobs in the film, but I think it was back at the swimming pool, there was some random uh, topless woman. It was the Lacey at that point. No, and else. even when she was sleeping with uh, Ty Webb, there was not really any nudity at that point. There was no. like a, a wee back massage scene, but there was nothing other than them going down the slide into the pool. Yeah. But it's really when it comes to her and Danny fooling around on the bed, both of them's topless. Yeah. There's an, I, an IMDb trivia point that comes up quite interesting. Like a, it kind of gives you an idea of of what the fucking standards were like back in uh, 1980. It reads that uh, Cindy Morgan, the actress that plays Lacey, didn't want to appear topless in the movie. Uh, whilst Harold Ramis, like, I kind of accepted that and changed mm-hmm. the scene. The producer, John Peters, uh, got her on the phone and more or less explained to her that if you didn't do the topless scene in this movie, you'll never work in Hollywood again. Yeah. So, so that old cliche basically. Exactly. You'll no get anywhere in this industry unless you appear topless in this film. And there's another note after it saying, further promote the movie. They sent a photographer uh, for Playboy over to the set to take topless pictures of her to promote the movie to, mm-hmm. I guess, the Playboy audience. 
Aye, so and, probably would have put it in like, the upcoming magazine for when the films were released. Aye, and that turned her into a nervous wreck, and how <laughs> Remus eventually had to step in and cancel the photo shoot because they were just constantly pushing her to take her clays off and be naked in the film, be yeah. naked at this photo shoot, and like how Remus had to kind of just squash it because it was getting out of hand at this point. It was interfering with the film. She didn't want to come out of the trailer. Just. The sleazy backbone of Hollywood. <laughs> it's a it's that bit back at the Judge's house when um, <coughs> Smells turns up with his wife Aye. and she goes for a shower and he goes in the bedroom and catches him Aye. and he starts swinging the golf club and he fucking takes out the arch that's on the bed and all that. Ah, he, he's in a rage. And then Danny grabs his stuff and runs into the bathroom and then it cuts perfectly to this fucking posh old couple coming in the front door. Oh, is it, are, are, are they serving tea? <laughs> and then uh, Smells is like fucking cutting down the door with a golf club. Aye, it's like and a fucking wife, shining moment. His wife fucking opens the door and was like, oh, yeah, can you like loofer my fucking aye, like, my back like, or whatever? Aye, She's in the shower. Like, loofer my stretch marks. <laughs> and... <laughs> She, then she fucking realises it's fucking Danny that's in the bathroom. And she kind of looks like a wee bit of like horror, but then she kind of like, turns oh, like... A, a young man in his tighty whiteies <laughs> is in my bathroom. And <laughs> you then can scrub my back. And then smells finally breaks through the door. Enraged mm-hmm. even more, fucking Danny bolts past the fucking butler. And then smells go past and knocks him. The fucking tea set in the and stairs. And the tea just falls down. And the old wife is like, I believe that's a tea. Aye. <laughs> No, I reckon in that that same fucking scene, like where they're in the shower and she's getting Danny in the eye and he's like going all wide eyed. Uh, it gave me the film like if I reckon if this was sort of like your American equivalent or a little bit of like a carry on film at some uh, point, like because they always kind of had like that camp eh, naughty humor to uh, them where they're doing daft shit and there's always like fucking play on being daft whether it's like Barbara Windsor's fucking bra popping oh, off that. when they're doing stretches but just them what they're doing with their fucking eyes and like wanting to scrub each other's backs yeah kind of gave me that impression I think the next moment that came up was as like the, uh, as, as the as golf the, the priest in the golf I well with Bill Murray when he uh, was doing uh, just as like the thunderstorm starts exactly like that's some fucking like weather effects they put on there like they didn't half fucking put the waterworks on uh, because at first it was you just it was thunderstorms and like some rain blowing through but uh, it's when it's almost as if they've got a fucking jet hose and they're just firing it on these <laughs> boys as they're walking up the hill yeah. And this, this, like, Bishop, they were crying him. was that impressed that he was that having, is. like, the best game of my life. I can't stop now. It was like, it looks like a fucking gale force winds. Like, it looks like a fucking hurricane's about to go. And how the fuck are you? <laughs> and right enough, every time he hits his ball, it's like the wind blows it back into the hole. And Aye, then he goes in the hole, and, like, the hole's all flooded. A fucking frog jumps out Aye. in one of the holes. It's like, and there's no one until they get to, like, the last fucking hole. And they hit, and it goes wrong. And it's got the fucking music for, like, the Ten Commandments <laughs> playing, and it's getting to its climax, and he gets fucking struck by lightning. <laughs> and fucking Bill Murray just bolts. Just <laughs> leaves a dead man on the course. 
He just like arms down, runs away like he was never there. No witness to the fucking crime that just happens. And mm. I was just, I don't know what happened there because nothing comes to that. And there's no a funeral in the next scene. Uh, and never talks about uh, it. Maybe he just that. shows up, plays the best game of his life, misses the last hole, screams rat farts, <laughs> and then is killed on the spot. I know. Mad. Ah, it's just. It's not even like a, a a fucking subplot. It's just this. It's almost like a sketch. Yeah. It's just uh, nowhere. No, you've through this point. I, I, more or less, this is where they come up with the wager. At this point, yeah. isn't it? Where between Ty, the judge, Al, Al, and. Oh, what's, uh, what's his name? He's a pal who smells. Aye, fucking doctor. a Dr. Beeper or Aye. something. And they decide, right, let's throw a couple grand in. Like, some proper, like, 20,000 a hole or something. Aye. And it's really just... Because uh, they were a bit defiant. Like, they were wanting rid of Al. They were wanting him out of the club. Aye. Because all the shit with the boats. Like, you're, you're just a fucking menace. We need you gone. He says, right, we'll settle it over a game of golf. And money's on the table... A fucking Chevy Chase is fucked. <sighs> he's all when he's all loosey goosey. He's fucking amazing at golf, but when like he's properly needed and there's money on it, he can't even fucking play worth a shit. Because what happens to him? He's fucking. He just he can't. Eat. There's just something about it. like he loses it. It's more or less just to progress the plot to like here, Danny, you take over for me. I bet did he no fucking do something to his arm? Oh wait, wait, no, it's Rodney Dangerfield. He fucking hit the ball, bangs off like a a post and springs back and hits him in the air. Uh, and he's like, oh, no, forfeit because that, the good guys are losing. Uh, like, fucking uh, Chevy Chase, Ty Webb kind of hit a shot. Rodney Dangerfield's fucking doing shit as well. And it looks like the bad guys are about to win. Uh, and then it falls on the shoulders of Danny to do, like, the final shot. And, of course, he gets to the lip of the hole yeah. and nothing happens. But little do they know, on the other side of the fucking hell, you've got fucking Carol, fucking Bill Murray crawling about, <laughs> plugging it off a C4, ready to blow up his little friends. Yeah. And they say that to do this effect in the film, they actually had, like, the big hill was built from scratch for the film. Alright. Uh, the, the climactic 18th hole scene, uh, because Country Club did not want their course blown up, they used... As you'd imagine, they end up using too much explosives, which completely destroyed the hill they built and caused planes flying by to report an explosion, <laughs> as if it, lo- it looked as if a plane had crashed on the course. <sighs> so they started fucking calling the watchtower, and of course that giant fucking explosion was enough for the ball to fall in the hole. Aye, and I guess like even though Danny was going for the carry scholarship. It seemed like they were just going to rely on fucking Roddy Dangerfield to pay aye, him cause through. He, um, he because they were at 80,000 at this point. Aye, because then he says if he makes it worth his... If he, again, if he makes it worth his while and all that, he'll... He'll see that his fucking college fees are taken care of. Aye. I'd like to get how much it fucking costs for a carry to go through, like, a scholarship. It seems like the fucking amount of money he's putting away in that jar back in the house. Yeah. You'd think he would have... Saved enough of it, but all you need is a big property tycoon fucking owl to to cover your bets. Yeah. So 
when they win, it more or less finishes it. You get another shot of the goal for. Ah, uh, he like scurries his head like under the. Ah, uh, like, of dirt and all. Well, that was a close call. And, and just starts just, dancing to Kenny and Loggins. Then, ah, and then it just cuts to that, and then that's it, and that's that's a bit of a weird end, isn't it? Aye. I think overall, it's decent. Aye. I mean, there's a, a couple laughs, but. Better than the second one, you know. The second one's a bit. Mm. Mm. I don't want to say it's overrated, because that's a wee bit harsh. Yeah. But it's not as funny as, as I expected it to be. Yeah. But there was also some bits that did, like. See, for me, for the form, it's all about Ronnie Dangerfield there. Aye, because he is, like, without him in it, you would have just had to have relied on... Bill Murray. Bill Murray, Chevy Chase. Yeah, because like, I don't even think Chevy Chase plays... A character, he just plays himself. Nah, he, 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 he doesn't really play a funny character in this film. Aye, he's just, like, an overly sarcastic, cool as a cucumber. Yeah. But, aye, and if you didn't have... Because I think they were saying a lot of Bill Murray stuff was uh, ad-libbed. Like, uh, he improvised a lot of it. Because they were talking about his character being a silent character, like, out of one of, like, the Groucho Marx, like, one of those 1920 yeah. characters. And then they were just wanting him like that, a silent dude. But you can't even really have Bill Murray as this silent guy. Yeah. And they just basically let him do what the fuck he wants, I'd imagine. And that gave us this crazy comedic character. Yeah. And without him, it would it'd probably be a wee bit of a tougher watch. Because yeah. there's not really any other comedy unless you just count Chevy Chase being Chevy Chase. Yeah. I thought like I thought Judge Mills was pretty good though. Ah, he his, character. his fucking overreactions and his ah, screaming and that's a, nah, I bet at the end where they're waiting for Diana to take the shot like, Well <laughs> we're waiting That's that's a bit as well where he comes into the spa bit and he's speaking to the black boy. Right. And the doctor guy that like has power. He's supposed to be. Uh, he's supposed to be like a way. Seen some sort of like woman for like a like a meeting or something, like mm-hmm. an appointment, and he's like, ah, he's like, um, I'll be here in about four or five hours. He's rearranging his appointments. Ah, uh, hey, oh, no, we're going to play some games. Okay, uh, just stick the tube up her nose. He's like, I ah, just do the job for me and do that and dig halfway in, then I ah, leave her for five hours. <laughs> It's, a, it's that same bit where he comes in and um, smells just talking about a fucking car that's parked and, and the boy on the massage be, table <laughs> to be the guy in the massage table and then he and then that's where smells brings over the fucking shoes that are like aye being like totally over buffed and all that mm-hmm. uh, now you want to see what the facts and figures are behind Caddyshack uh, like, how much do you think it would have cost to make a movie like Matt, uh, like Caddyshack um, and it's not over 10 million so, under 10. Seven? Six, so. And that's it. There's no really... I guess maybe what would have been the most expensive shot of the film. Like when they're pissing a bit with the yachts. I think so. Aye. Because that's, that's probably going to be... It's either that or your giant fucking explosion at the end. Aye. But I think six sounds about right. It's, it's for your stars at the time. It would have been interesting to see what they've had to paid for... Chevy Chase, I'd imagine he, maybe between him, I he probably would have maybe between him and Rodney would have been yeah. the more expensive because Bill Murray would have still been kind of like the young up and comer for uh, SNL. Still, uh, what was 
Ted Knight famous at this point? I think so. I think this was him coming towards the end of his career. He seemed to like mm. being a big uh, voice actor. Like he had hundreds and hundreds of credits, doing like cartoons, like Scooby Doo's, Batman's, and like all your your proper sixties animated cartoons. Yeah. He seemed to have worked in a lot of them. Mm. Like a lot of Hanna Barbera stuff. Yeah, uh, name right. credits on all that. For the box office, it pulled in thirty nine point eight million domestically. All right. So I guess that that's enough to warrant a sequel. Yeah. So okay, only cost six, made like a profit of about thirty three million, yeah. and that's not even including like overseas. IMDb even had a record of how much money it made in rentals. Which must be a thing at the time. It made over twenty million dollars in movie rentals. Like, I guess folk just renting the fucking tape. So, like twenty million dollars, and what, film rentals back in the day was probably like what? Nah, I wouldn't be three, three quid or something. Well, I would have been. I'd imagine it would just be a couple bucks. It wouldn't be much, like uh. especially back in the day. But shit, they can like. What is the biggest selling point of this film? Because it's not like I reckon if you're if you're really relying on Rodney Dangerfield, yeah, right, just as a like the fucking Red Hawk. Comic. I wouldn't say the. I wouldn't even say the Gopher was the selling point of the film. I'm uh, assuming that probably would have been. Ah, uh, you know, something like that, just for it, the the comedic aspect. Of it. Yeah. Uh, Amazon run star reviews. I've split between one star and two star reviews because. There isn't that many negative reviews against this one. Nah. So our one-star reviews, we've got two of them. Uh, first one, uh, review title. Review of the Blu-ray transfer by Serious Reviewer. No, we go. First, let me be clear. The film is very good, and I would at least give it four stars. Need I say more? And he does. He continues to say more. The problem is, with the Blu-ray transfer, the studio has done the usual and not bothered to clean up the film for a high definition transfer. So there's no point buying this on Blu-ray. The picture is no better than a DVD release. So just save your money and stick with a normal DVD. Then we've got a one hit wonder uh, from Ian. Head review. Yuck. Y-U-K. Explanation mark. Alright. Thanks Ian. So I thought we need, we need more, something better than this. So I looked up the Amazon two-star reviews. So it got two two-star reviews out of the 74. And these ones, right, these folk are actually talking about the film now. So, uh, Goofing Off by Dan. I thought this was an awful film. Yes, the production values were good, but I thought the general Goofing Off was terrible. What do you mean, like, I think he was talking about, like, kids pissing a bit in the pool. Like, these kids are goofing off. Well, this is fucking atrocious. <laughs> they should be working. Uh, How dare they attempt to be funny in a comedy? Then you've got Not Very Funny by Jack. It, I was amazed how few laughs there were in this. Sure, there was a few funny scenes, including the pool scene, and a few were on the danger field. But, really, most of the film was just made up of unfunny sketches that don't fit well together. I also think the ad-lib nature of a lot of it shows, particularly when you're talking about Bill Murray, who normally I love, but was pretty terrible in this. 
I mean, uh, okay, Bill Murray is maybe the obvious case that you could tell he's probably making it up as he goes along. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a, it's a fucking comedy for the 80s uh, about golf. This is like before he's like, got like his reputation and all that, isn't it? Exactly. Just, just calm down. Uh, what's next? For films and swearing, well, episode 138 will be An American Werewolf in London. It's uh, 1981. As voted by our followers on Twitter, uh, housekeeping, you can go to filmsandswearing.com for all your films and swearing needs, like <laughs> social media links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Amazon, Patreon, a lot. Now, it is worth keeping an eye on our Twitter account because we'll be doing polls throughout our 80s season for you to choose what films we talk about. So yes, we have decided what we're going to talk about for 1981. Visit us at FAS Podcast to find out and fucking throw your vote in there as well because our fucking 1981 vote was crazy. Actually made a yes, I was about twice the amount of votes. I think we ended up with 225 votes logged by individual like Twitter users by the end of it. Yeah. And it was it was a neck and neck race. Between... I know because in fact it was almost like a it was like a three horse race at one point. I nobody was voting for Cannibal Run. <laughs> I fucking Cannibal Run got shafted. I did see a few comments for Fox saying, "Ah, vote for Cannibal Run because that'll be quite funny to hear about." And this was after me saying it's really it's just between Evil Dead and American Werewolf in London. I wouldn't bother voting for either of the others because you're more or less just going to waste your vote. Yeah. And fuck, we're still voting for Cannibal Run. Like, fine, fair enough. I was, I honestly thought that fucking Escape from New York was. No, no. Uh, I thought that would have stood a bit of a better chance, but no, it's definitely some hardcore audiences out for your eighties horror. Uh. So, yes, next week will be an American Werewolf in London. Uh, um, looking forward to watching this, like. And as usual, shout out to Andros for our theme music. If I could be good enough with my live production, you should start hearing it now. Uh, thanks to Stu and the listeners for tuning in and letting us know that you're you're listening. I didn't get where I was going there. Uh, maybe I, I was trying to say. Thanks to Stu and our listeners for tuning in and letting us fill their lugs each week. But now it is time to pull out. It doesn't need to get any better. Uh, I'm more or less trying to say... Fuck off and tune in next week. Tell the mic. Aye, get voting. <laughs>